Thank you. You may be seated. Important uh, thing we just did as we recognize that it's God doing the things that we see uh, happening within our own lives, within Grace Church family, and so God deserves that glory for it. Uh, I do want to continue in the message series. Um, I've received word from the kitchen crew that they ran out of gas, so I got a we're not going to be able to have lunch till 1. They said, Ted, can you kill time? I said, I'll give it my best shot. I'm just kidding. They have plenty of gas. I bought a full tank just so that we won't run out of gas. We're fine. But I do want to share uh, a continuation in something we've been talking about that I want to just remind us of as the church, as the body of Christ gathered together uh, I do this wherever I go. It doesn't matter what country I'm in. I'm seeking to remind the body of Christ of some of these important things. And I have the privilege as part of my job with the denomination as director of global ministries to really see and experience all that God is doing in this very scenario, that God is the one who is expanding his church. So God is the one doing that all over the world. We hear those stories. I try and share some of those stories. As I said, I've experienced some of those stories. And I wonder if you've thought about in a while, uh, because of some of the work I do, I, I do think about this and some of the, the things I try and read and uh, some of the messages I hear from other what the, the term is called, missiologists, people who take the mission across the globe. Uh, some of those things, I, I think about this. I wonder if you've thought about this. How big do you think the church is today? Now, if you go online and Google it, it's probably going to give you a number. There's a website called the Joshua Project that's trying to do this kind of thing as well and just trying to track the expansion of the church. At one time, when we started in the book of Acts, they could all get together in probably a space about this big. But shortly after that Pentecost Sunday, it was going to be even harder for them to do that. But you could probably manage it in some of the different places they had in the first century. Some of the larger uh, theaters that they had set up, uh, certainly the Colosseum, places like that, you could gather the whole church. But how big do you think the church is today? That actually would be impossible. There is no way we could gather the church in one place today. It's just too big. It wouldn't fit anybody. But we all hear and know the stories of how Satan tries, governments try, cultures try. Like there's all these things that seem to be opposed to the expansion of the church, and yet it still continues to move forward. And so as we celebrate what God's doing at Grace Church, God's added to his number as some folks have joined the church family. We talked about uh, what that looks like. We did that in the confirmation class. We did that in our new members class. The church universal, you heard me use those words. We are brothers and sisters with a lot of people all over this planet. But we also have a local expression of where we get to live out this desire to, to love Jesus and follow Jesus with some people that you know their names, you know where they live, you've had supper with them, 
You've had picnics together. We're about to do that today. You lived life together. So God, in his goodness, not only has this thing we call the church universal, but he has this local expression of faith. And just like he adds to his church all over this planet, he loves to add to his church in local communities as well. So I want to remind us of something important as Grace Church. And when I talk about the church, think about the church universal because we're joined with a lot of people, but bring it home a little bit today as we celebrated what God's doing here at Grace Church as well. And the people's lives that join the stories you've heard, not just here. If you come to men's group, you've heard some of those stories. We try and share those stories at our Friendship Sunday in October. We look for opportunities to tell everybody here, whatever that looks like, whatever method we have to use to share stories about what God is doing. So God desires to expand his church. He's already doing it, and he wants to do it in our midst as well. In Acts chapter um, 11, in verse 19, uh, we start reading about, there's, there's this shift that's taking place. And 11 and 12 and 13 kind of are sharing this shift. And by Acts chapter 15, it's going to look really different. Things are going to really shift and change. And now you're, we're kind of just walking into that. So Acts chapter 11, verse 19 is telling us of this transition that's taking place. So it's up here on the screen. Obviously, if you are following along in your Bible, I'm not going to read that whole story. It is a pretty amazing story in 11 and 12 about what God does. But I just want to highlight some things as I think it pertains to God's desire to expand his church, not just what he's doing in Acts. He wants to do it in 2023. He's already just done it here at Grace Church. It says, now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, you heard that story back in, I think, Acts chapter 8, 7, 8, somewhere in there. Stephen was killed, and it spread people, followers of Jesus, as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. The church looked very similar wherever it was right now. Most of these people were Jewish, or they were proselytes, people who uh, were not Jewish by ethnicity, but converted to Judaism like Cornelius. We heard about him last week. And so the church looked pretty much the same. If you were in Jerusalem, uh, if you went to Phoenicia, if you went to Cyprus, if you went to Antioch, it kind of looked similar because it was spreading, it said, only among the Jews. But Luke tells us some of them, some of these people that believed in Jesus as the Messiah, started going to places like Cyprus, men from there in Cyrene. They started spreading out and went to a city called Antioch, and they began to speak to Greeks also. So now these are different people than who they've been talking to. They speak a different language. They have a very different culture. They live in different communities. But they started telling them the Jesus story, the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, we can celebrate that fact, that reality, but if we just remember what I just said, what God's doing is adding to the number of people that do not know the Jewish laws, the sacrificial laws, 
the things that you learned as a Jew, the same kind of worship style as Jews, the same kind of we have to go to the temple as a Jew, it was going to be different. The Lord was adding to their number, and the church was expanding. That's what God was doing in their midst in their day. And it says, um, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas. We were introduced to him a little bit ago. They sent him to Antioch to check out what was going on. And when he arrived, because it was different, there was something new. But when Barnabas arrived and saw that the grace of God, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. Now we just kind of read over that and say, oh, that's great. God's doing some amazing things. Isn't it wonderful? But by Acts chapter 15, not everybody thought it was wonderful. The, the church was starting to look a lot different. When the church began, when it was initiated, everybody kind of knew each other at the beginning, and then it got bigger. They could still fit in one space, but then it got bigger, and now you had to travel a little bit to visit people, and awesome, God's doing some amazing things. So we got to get on a donkey and ride to Cyprus, or actually had to take a boat there, but it was still wonderful. And now we read, but now there's some Greeks, people not like the Jews at all, starting to believe this Jesus story. And so as we see the church expand, which is God's heart, God's desire, this is what he is in the business of doing. That's what a mission is. God's mission is to reach the world. That's what Jesus said. Back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you can reread that if you've forgotten. But now it's starting to look different, and we just need to tuck that away because that's going to be a big deal a little bit later. Remember, Peter had to explain himself to the church because of what happened with Cornelius, this centurion, this Roman soldier, but the Holy Spirit descended on them, and they're like, no way that happened. Peter and some guys go. They're like, we saw it with our own eyes. They go back to Jerusalem, and now they've got to explain themselves, and they're saying, look, we've witnessed it. You've got to believe us. Now Barnabas goes. Okay, God's doing this among Greek-speaking people. Okay, Barnabas goes, and oh, God's still doing this. It's looking amazing. But there's still some brewing tension there. And by Acts 15, it hits loggerheads, and we're just curious, is the expansion of the church going to continue? So that's important. Remember that. But this story with Peter, this is kind of one of... Peter's last big stories, a good story. Peter is is a part of Acts chapter 15 too, but this is one of his last stories. As the church continues to expand and looks different, it also faces some more of this. In Acts chapter 12, I won't read the whole thing, but it's a cool story. It was about this time that um, King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church because Obviously, he was trying to stop the spread of this good news about Jesus, saying that Jesus was the Messiah. And his desire, his intention was to persecute them. They did it with Stephen, and he's going to do it again. And so uh, King Herod is looking for ways to do that, and it says he, he had James, the brother of John, 
Peter, James, and John, you know, those were the, the three guys that uh, Jesus invested a lot of time and energy into. He had James, the brother John, put to death by the sword. So it's starting to get real now, this movement of Jesus. Even one of the founders is killed because of their faith. And when he saw Herod, when he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also, the de facto leader of this movement. He seized Peter, and this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. This is during, interestingly enough, the Passover festival. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads, uh, four soldiers each. So that's a lot of soldiers guarding this one guy. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Kind of has some reminiscence of what was taking place in Jesus' life also when they thought they were going to stamp out this movement of these people following this guy named Jesus around Passover. And Herod's doing this same thing now with Peter. And he's got guards all over the place. Not only does he have guards all over the place, he was chained to some of these guards as the story tells us. And so Peter is put in prison. He's kept in prison. All these guards surrounding him. And what did the church do? They started to pray earnestly on Peter's behalf. That God would protect him, that God would save him. I mean, what do you pray when someone's in prison? That they'd get out of prison. That's what they started praying for. So the expansion of the church is looking different. It's also facing some very difficult days right now. Even James has been killed. And now Peter, the very leader of this movement, is put in prison, and there's guards all over the place. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a um, story about what took place. But ultimately, here's the spoiler alert. The expansion of the church can't be stopped. Peter doesn't stay in prison. This story, I think, is telling us that. It needs to remind us today. You know, we read this in Acts and we're like, oh, that's great. The expansion of the church can't be stopped. And then we look out at our culture, we read the news, and we think to ourselves, oh man, we are in a lot of trouble. But I need to remind you today that what God is doing cannot be stopped. It doesn't matter how many guards are surrounding Peter, it can't be stopped. Peter's in that jail cell. He is sleeping. All these guards all around him, they probably got him in some inner jail, not just in the first part of the jail, in some other part of the jail. They don't want him to get out. Verse 7 says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. Kind of saying about that just a, a bit ago. And he struck Peter on the side, and he woke him up. Now, I don't know. I didn't look into that Greek word for struck, like, I don't know how deep of a sleep Peter was in. I don't know if the angel goes, Peter, get up! He's just sleeping soundly. And the angel comes in and he hits him on the side and he says, quick, get up. When he did this, the chains fell off Peter's, uh, fell off Peter's wrists. Everybody's still sleeping. He gets out of the jail. Peter's thinking he is dreaming. He, he can't believe what's going on. He's thinking, he's dreaming about all this. 
And then he comes to his senses once he's out of the jail, and he goes to where some of the disciples are gathered. And he starts knocking on the door, and, and it, I think it says, Rhoda is her name. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. He goes to uh, where they're gathered. You know, they've been praying to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many were gathered and they were praying, and Peter knocked at the outer entrance. And God sends Peter, I believe, back to this house where they're all praying. They've probably been praying all night. They don't know what's going to happen. They know Herod wants to kill him. He's been doing it to other people. They want to do it to Peter. They're probably praying and praying and praying. And the interesting thing to me is they can't believe that Peter is at the door. They're missing the fact that God wants to demonstrate to all of you followers of Jesus that his power and presence is here, and it's actually in your midst. It's knocking right at the door. So I don't have it up there on the screen for you, um, but it says, when Peter knocked on the outer entrance, if you're following along in your Bible, I'm at verse 13, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and explained, Peter is at the door. That's what she goes back. She doesn't even open it. Let me remind you of what I just said on this slide. If you're looking at your scripture in verse 15, you know what their response is? It's not, of course he is. We've been praying about this. And God loves demonstrating his power and presence in our midst. Let's go let Peter in. He's probably hungry. Let's give him something to eat. What they tell her, you're nuts. I don't know what the Greek translation is, but it's you're out of your mind is what they say. They don't believe her. You're out of your mind. You are crazy. Obviously, that's impossible. We saw him get arrested. We know that they got him in this place in jail. He's surrounded by all these soldiers. Rhoda, I don't know what you've been doing. Maybe you're super tired. I, I don't know what's going on, but you are insane. You're crazy. Eventually, they go to the door. <laughs> and there's Peter. They were, it says, astonished. Which means, if you have like the thought bubble, their minds were blown. And that's why I put this slide up here. And I wrote in my Bible, expect God to move. They're praying earnestly. They're all gathered together. Who knows how long they've been praying? And they still did not expect, they didn't anticipate God actually answering their prayers, and now Peter is knocking at their front door. And you know what I think this tells me? God absolutely loves to demonstrate that he hasn't gone anywhere. There is nothing that can stop the expansion of this story, this amazing love that he should die for me, for you. And if we are asking God to show up in our midst, I don't want to be like those gathered who are praying earnestly for God to move. I want to expect 
God to do it. We should expect God to do it. You know how much God loves encountering his people. We have just read story after story in Acts, and in this room we could hear story after story of how much God loves to do that. In fact, nothing can stop the expansion of this church, so much so that in verse 21, on the appointed day, Herod, the king who put Peter in prison, the guy who is stamping out the movement that's taking place, He's wearing his royal robes and he sat on his throne and he delivered a public address to the people. He had just done something really great for the Jewish people. He had gotten together with some warring people and they made some kind of peace treaty and all that kind of stuff. And here's the king. You didn't cross the king, the most powerful person in the midst of Israel right now. At least for Peter, he was the most powerful guy. In fact, he held Peter's life in his hands. And so on the point of day, Herod's sitting on his throne, probably thinking like he's real smug. I'm the king. Nothing can stop what I want to do. He just accomplished something really great. And the crowd shouts, this is not the voice of God, or this is the voice of a God, not a man. When Herod makes his address to the crowd, you know what they say? That's the voice of God, not a man. And Herod's probably thinking to himself, you're right. I can do just about anything I want to anybody here right now. I run this place. Now, if you're, I know we're doing this before lunch. If you're a little queasy, just close your ears. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. So if you got to go... Eaten by worms seems pretty painful. I didn't even know worms could really open their mouths and eat anything. Just when Herod was thinking, I've got Peter in jail, I've already killed James, I can do anything I want, God demonstrates once again that the enemies of the church are no match for God. Verse 24, but the word of God continued to spread and it flourished. Just read the rest of Acts. Read how much it is flourishing. As the church expands, it's going to look different. And we should anticipate God moving. And as he grows his church, God is going to deal with his enemies. And so if you've said to yourself recently... It looks pretty bad in the culture in which we find ourselves. I'd probably agree with you. It does. It looks like the enemy forces are at the doors and they're ready to break in. And it almost feels like maybe if you watch too much news, the enemies of God are going to win. That is the exact opposite opposite story that we read in the scriptures. And when I say the church continues to expand, I said, let's bring it home and say, God wants to expand his church right here in Schuylkill Haven, in this county, in this state, in this country. And we need to remember that God will deal with the enemies of his church and nothing and no one and no culture, not even Satan himself, can stop the movement of this story that tells people 
because of your sin, there is a God who had done nothing wrong. God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And though he was without sin, he suffered and died on a cross for you. And they buried him and they thought he was dead. And three days later, he got up, he rose again, and he says, because I live, you're going to live too. For all of eternity, but right now. This idea of flourishing is not just for when we leave. It's right now. The church expanded and flourished. And there is no enemy of God that can stop it. And yes, it might look different. You're going you're gonna to see a very different church by the end of Acts than you were introduced to in Acts chapter 2. Very different. But that's how God works and moves. And I bet some of you in here are living in a time where the church is very different than when you grew up. Yes, it's going to look different. It's even different here at Grace Church. The whole church universal is different, but some of you who have been here at Grace Church since it was built in 1894, no, not that long, but we celebrated 50 years a couple years ago at this location, and it looks different even now in those past 50 years. You know what? 10 years from now, it might look different than this. I bet you 50 years from now it's going to look different than what it looks right now. But as it expands, it looks different. And look at the beauty of what God is doing. And in those differences, now people who speak the Greek language know Jesus. And this story continues to expand and spread. And you know what? There's people out there, they've never heard about Jesus some kids that come into our vacation Bible school this past week, they were introduced to Jesus for the first time. I just heard on a podcast I listened to, there was a question on Jeopardy. The question on Jeopardy said, the contestants were told, Our Father who art in heaven, blank be your name. And the question was, what is the word that's missing? Do you guys know? Nobody on Jeopardy could answer that question. It wasn't that long ago. I I listened to the podcast. It might have been a week old. It was maybe like two weeks ago, I think. We live in a different world. Do you know how that is crazy? People don't know that. Lots of people don't know this story. It looks different, and sometimes God's got to use some different methods and some different mediums and some different means to get this story out there. But he is still doing it. And so Grace Church looks different from when it started, from when Jacob Albright was riding around on a horse and a church got planted in little old Schuylkill Haven. And praise God, to God be the glory, it's still here. And my prayer is that it's still here to welcome Jesus back. That's what ministry for me is all about. That could be a long time after I'm gone. It could be before I'm done with this message, depending on how long I go. You never know. 
but we need to expect God to move in our midst. I've been saying this from the start of the Acts series, and I just want to drive home the fact that these aren't just stories we read about in this thing we call the Bible. Acts and God's desire to demonstrate his power and presence, he wants to do it in our midst today. Do you believe that? Do you believe God wants to do that? We should expect it. We shouldn't be astonished. I've been praying about it. I'm expecting God to do it. And I believe God's going to do some amazing things when he demonstrates his power and presence in our midst. He's already done that in some of your lives. He's already done that in some of your stories. And what I want for our kids, the ones who just went through this confirmation class, the ones who are going to come through it again, I want that to be normal for them. They're not astonished by it. Well, sure, that's just who God is. When they're older, they have kids of their own, they just, they grow up knowing that this is just who God is. He loves demonstrating this. And let me tell you a story about how he did that. No, not in Acts chapter 12. He did it in Schuylkill Haven when I was going to church there. Folks, that's what God wants to do in 2023. As the church expands and looks different, it's going to continue to do that. And it's going to continue to look different. It might even look different here. It already is different at Grace Church. We shouldn't call some girl coming to us and saying, hey, Peter's at the door, crazy. We should say, well, sure he is. We've been praying God would release him. Why wouldn't he do it? And as we look out in our world and we think the enemies are amassing, Remember what God did to Herod? I don't know how worms eat people, but it happened. God will take care of the church's enemies. We are called to be faithful to this mission and share this story no matter what. In a culture that doesn't want to hear it, we still share it. In a culture that was killing people because of it, we still share it. In a culture that thinks we don't have time for it, we still share it. That is what our mission is. That is what we're going to keep doing until Jesus comes back. And today is a reminder of what God wants to do in his church. These people that God brought to Grace Church, I'm so thankful for them. I've gotten to know them. Had a chance to go through class with a bunch of the kids. This is an important part of who we are as a church. This is an important part of who you are as a follower of Jesus. Remember those words I said to all of them, those vows that they take that, God, I'm going to give all that I have back to you I'm not going to do it with the people sitting around me. Look around. Look to the person next to you. God's given you the privilege to live this out with that person. It's not just some abstract idea of the church universal. It's that person sitting next to you. It's that person sitting in front of you. It's that person that comes here at 830. It's that person that comes at 10. It's that person that is your neighbor that doesn't even know who Jesus is. It's that kid on your sports team that doesn't even know who his dad is. We've got a really important mission. And as pastor of this church, my desire is that we be faithful to this mission.
And as rereading Acts, I don't know how many times I've read Acts, but as I'm rereading Acts, this is what God's doing in my heart. And maybe you think, well, Ted, that's great, but God only did that in the Bible. I can't wait for God to just surprise you and astonish you. And when I see the thought bubble above your head explode, that's what I'm looking for. Because I believe God wants to do it. And we as Grace Church are going to keep doing this thing until Jesus comes back or He calls us home. Let's pray. God, I conclude uh, every message with really the words, let's pray. And I'm reminded with what we've just read this morning that they prayed earnestly and God did it. Lord, I, I pray that this morning as I ask all of us together to, to pray. God, I pray earnestly that we would be reminded that when it looks like our enemies are winning, the church cannot be stopped. You fight on your behalf and you will care for your church and defeat your enemies, Lord. God, when it seems like the church isn't expanding, God, you continue to show up and demonstrate your power and presence. And I pray, Lord God, that we won't be astonished like they were, but we would just say, well, sure, that's just what God does. And God, as the, the church continues to expand and grow and it looks different, God, may we be open to the movement of your spirit working in our midst and celebrate the people that are coming to Christ, the people that are professing Jesus as Lord, as your church, and God, may we as Grace EC Church remain faithful to this mission. Faithful to this mission until Jesus comes back so that we, I, I am asking something huge. I don't know how long Jesus is going to tarry, but God, I'd love for Grace EC Church in Schuylkill Haven to just open their arms up wide and say, Welcome back for your church, Jesus. We've been waiting for you. God, help us to live that out right here in this little town. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close this morning by reaffirming that mission that God's called us to, the mission of taking this good news to the world around us, that mission that we are on until Jesus comes back for his church. Let's stand together and sing, Even So Come.